Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me today at Canadian Real Estate 101 Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. It's Friday afternoon. Can't complain. Uh, slightly busier than how I like my Fridays to usually to be, but it's all part of the game and I love it. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing if you're busy this afternoon. Hopefully it means that you're helping some clients uh, close on their stuff. Fridays and Thursdays are typically our funding days. And this one happens to be when we have a couple of um, closing happen closings happening while we're recording the episode, which is fantastic. I'm always excited about Thursdays and Fridays, typically. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, Kevin. So uh, why don't we kick off by introducing you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, who you help, and what you're up to these, these days? Sounds good. Uh, so yeah, so Kevin Schuster, I'm the principal financial planner over at Bold Barrel Financial. Uh, I got my start in the business about 10 years ago, started working with uh, Investors Group, fantastic place to get educated. They do a very good job over there at helping people understand how to plan for uh, Canadians, which is great. Um, but about five years ago, I decided to go off on my own, uh, went down the independent route, and which gave me a little bit more access to uh, different fund companies that are out there, which uh, gave me a little bit better opportunity for my clients, which I'm very excited for. So I've been, uh, like I said, in the business for about 10 years now. Uh, and looking at my target market, target markets are kind of twofold for me. On one side, it's helping the, what I call nearly and newly retired. So that age range of about 55 to 70 or so. Uh, Canadians that are looking to make sure they have enough for retirement, uh, make sure that they are going to have enough to uh, last them throughout their retirement, um, but as well as being able to help them transition their wealth to that next generation. Uh, there's a whole lot of stumbling blocks that are out there. So I want to make sure that Canadians are aware of what they're uh, walking into, as well as what opportunities are going to be ahead of them. And then the second side for my target market is for business owners. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities, again, out there for business owners to not only be able to provide for their clients, uh, but also be, uh, be able to provide for their families. So I want to make sure that they are aware of them and that they are going to be taken care of in case any bad things happen along the way. Perfect. And uh, finances are such a huge topic uh, for all of us, especially in these times when uh, inflation is high, interest rate is high, everything is skyrocketing. And uh, retirement planning is detrimental for ourselves, right? So where do we start? Like, I think that's my first question. When and how and how does anybody get started towards retirement planning? A lot of people in my situation are going to start talking about RSPs right now and tax-free savings accounts and pension plans and all of that. But that's not the starting point. The starting point needs to be taking a second and actually figuring out what do you want your retirement to look like? Uh, do you want your retirement to be just your lifestyle continuing on in the future? If so, we need to be making sure that there's a little bit of extra money there. Do you want your retirement to be completely filled with travel? Now that you're not working nine to five, you want the ability to spend a month in Australia. And next year, you want to spend a month in Europe. You need to figure out what your retirement is going to be. If it's going to be just staying local and being able to visit with family and friends, probably a little bit less money is needed in retirement. So for the biggest thing, the biggest question I always ask people is, what do you want to do? What do you want your lifestyle to be? 
And that's the starting point. Because once we figure out that, then we kind of figure out what that level of retirement uh, investment you need. And then the second question comes up, all right, now, Kevin, how do I get there? And the best answer for that is always going to be time-wise, start today. Uh, let's imagine, I'm just going to make sure my hands are in the picture on this. Let's imagine this is the height. This is what you need to get to for you to have a comfortable uh, retirement, whether that's a million dollars in the bank, $2 million in the bank, half a million dollars in the bank, whatever it is. Let's imagine that that's here. And this is where you are right now. If you start saving for your retirement right now, you're going to have a little bit of an easier time to get there. If you wait 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's going to be a much steeper climb to get up to that retirement level than if you would have started today. So in terms of getting started, figuring out what, what this level needs to be for you, and then, yeah, figuring out, all right, what is it going to take? Is it going to take $100 a month? Is it going to take $500 a month? Figuring out what it's going to take to get there, that's how you do retirement planning. So sooner the better, uh, for sure. Now, I know that... Um... You know, we might, when we're planning for a retirement, there are definitely some mistakes that we're making. What do you see are some of the top mistakes or top three mistakes that uh, you would want people to avoid or look into towards their retirement? Uh, biggest mistake I hear and I hear a lot is I'm going to win the lottery or I'm going to get an <laughs> inheritance for my retirement. Uh, you can't trust on those. Uh, you laugh at it. The amount of times I've heard that in meetings with clients really? is ridiculous. Um, no. You can't you can't be assuming that you're going to get a lump sum in the future. Even if you uh, believe that your parents are well off, your grandparents are well off, you can't assume that. You should be making sure that your future is uh, in your control instead of in somebody else's. Uh, the second thing is not considering taxes. Taxes are going to be a huge portion of your retirement planning, not only figuring out uh, what opportunities you have to invest in tax advantageous ways now, but also making sure that you're pulling the money out in tax advantageous ways in the future. Uh, right now, your tax-free savings account, there's huge opportunity there and all of the growth in there is going to be tax-free. It doesn't need to sit at a bank. It can get invested and be growing along with the markets. Your uh, principal residence deduction. Again, a lump sum amount of all of that growth is able to be taken uh, away tax-free. Um, so looking at taxes, understanding how they impact your uh, financial future is key. And the last thing I would say, and it goes back to that first comment, when do you get started? You get started today. A lot of people, when they're looking at their retirement plan, they say, well, right now I just don't have the money. So I'm going to start saving once I'm making $60,000, $100,000, $200,000 a year. They think that if they wait until just a little bit uh, in the future, they're going to have the money then to save for retirement. Problem is, uh, there's this thing called compound growth where the money that you put in today, if it's $100 now, it's going to be the equivalent of about $1,000 in uh, future years or $50,000 in future years. And that's because the market is going to help that grow and it's going to start a snowball towards your retirement future. So starting now, not waiting until you're making X amount, even if that is just $25 a month right now or $25 a week, starting small with what you can do, it starts a huge snowball effect. I'm sure this uh, analogy has been used in the past. You start a snowball at the top of the mountain, it's going to turn into avalanche as you go. That is true about finances. Start small, start with what you can, 
And then you can add to that as you get going. So those are the three mistakes that I see. Waiting for a lump sum, not figuring out how the taxes affect you, and not starting small and not and hoping to wait until you're making better money in the future. Right. And uh, I think you summarized them really well. So based on that, uh, what are you finding the average retirement age these days for a Canadian? Is there, uh, has that been extended over the years? Uh, what are the stats like? So retirement has changed uh, in the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. uh, retirement 30 years ago was 65. You're done working. You hang up your uh, whatever it is, your whistle, your lanyard, you hand in your keys, and now it's just you sit at home all day long. Yeah. Uh, that is not the mentality. Uh, baby boomers aren't as excited to uh, just quit on a day's work and uh, go away. It's not that they still need uh, to be going to work for money. It's not that they still need to do it for retirement. It's they're just bored, and they well, want to keep too. doing. They like what they're doing, so they want yeah. to keep working. So retirement has now turned into more of a mentality and it's more along the lines of saying, all right, when do I have enough money in the bank that I'm not working for my retirement? I'm just doing this because I enjoy what I do. So that number has now changed. Um, that number is now in, again, before it was 65 on the nose. Now that number is a lot of people are getting to the point of uh, retirement in between that uh, 60 and 65 range, but we're starting to see a lot more baby boomers working up until age 70 into their 70s because they just like what they do. We're also starting to see because of the dynamics of uh, the way wealth has been dispersed across Canada, there are some people that are working into their 70s because they have to. And so there isn't as much of a uh, fine line. And that's where retirement planning comes into uh, play a little bit more Helping people understand, all right, what is it going to take for them to, at the age of 60, not have to go to work anymore because of their retirement, but have the freedom to decide when they want to retire just because they feel like uh, hanging up their keys. Right. And uh, you raised a really valid point. We all strive for retiring, I'm quoting here, quote unquote, retiring early. But the idea is not really retiring. The idea is really for that independence, that financial independence. Yeah. Sooner you achieve it, uh, in my opinion, you are able to be more flexible and do things that you truly, that you actually enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. uh, if your full-time work is not driving you that joy, then you just have that flexibility, right? Yeah. So sharing the story of my dad, so he retired after 50 years working in the uh, banking industry at 65, and uh, he traveled for a bit. Uh, my parents traveled for a year, year and a half or something like that. And after that, dad was bored. He's like, what do I do? Like, we've traveled, we did whatever, you know, we aspire to do, and kids are all settled. Like, what do I do? I'm going bonkers. Believe it or not, it, at 66 or maybe, yeah, around 66, 60, uh, 66 and a half, he joined another institution and uh, he went back to the workforce. Uh, but the job profile was much more flexible. So work from home at your own pace and stuff like that. So not necessarily going into the branch because that's what he was uh, working for the last 50 years. But it was more kind of a remote opportunity as a mortgage uh, advisor itself at one of the banks. And 
uh, it wasn't because of money or anything. Maybe it was partially, but not the major uh, reason. It was more, you know, he just enjoyed having discussions with people. He just wanted to have a regular routine so he could just, you know, put his mind to work essentially, rather than just sitting and watching TV like 24 seven or these days, WhatsApp messages, apparently. Uh, but no. uh, I think it's uh, it's a great point that we all are kind of striving towards that financial independence. Retiring might happen, might not ha happen, but it's more of the idea that you're able to do more things that bring you joy and not have to financially think that, will I be able to pay my bills or I need to keep my job if, you know, for whatever, my, my lifestyle and stuff like that, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's a great point. Now, moving along, um, what do you feel are some of the great vehicles to start planning for your retirement? Uh, in terms of vehicles, sorry, go ahead. Or strategies. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the vehicle side of things, uh, I mentioned the acronyms before. I'll explain them a little bit more. Uh, your TFSA, tax-free savings account. Uh, that is a huge opportunity. So what this is, it's a tool that you're able to put your after-tax dollars into. So you don't get any tax breaks putting money into your tax-free savings account. Uh, but any of the growth that comes from that, all of it is tax-free. Now, I'm going to start stop right there and say the nomenclature of this account is absolutely horrible. Uh, a lot of people hear the term savings account and they think they need to open it at a bank and they're limited to whatever high interest savings account that's there. Truth is, you can invest anything you want to in there. You can invest into stocks, into bonds, into mutual funds, into ETFs. It can hold that. All TFSA is the label on the outside of a bucket. And so you're able to get market returns, whether that's 8, 10, 12% uh, in a year in your tax-free savings account. And you want to make sure that you're looking for those better than uh, market returns as you go. So that would be the one thing. And that's available to anybody with a Canadian uh, social insurance number over the age of 18. Um, to go along with that uh, is the RRSP or Registered Retirement Savings Plan. And that one many, many Canadians know about. Uh, you're able to invest uh, up to 18% uh, of your income or about $25,000 per year into your uh, RRSP. Now you do get tax advantage opportunity when putting the money in. Uh, so what happens is if you put money into your RRSP in 2023 or 2024, uh, you don't earn that money in that year. You actually earn that money when you take it out in the future. So it's uh, really, really beneficial if you're making over $100,000 in a year and you're at about a 30, 35% tax bracket. Uh, when you put the money in, you save that 35% taxes. When you pull the money in, out in the future, you might be pulling it out at about 20% tax bracket. So you've just dropped your taxable, uh, your tax rate there by 15%. That's how the RRSP works. And that's where you want to be using that uh, in the future. So if you're earning about $45,000 per year, your tax-free savings account is going to be your better vehicle. If you're earning over that uh, $85,000, $88,000 per year, that's where your RSP is going to be extremely beneficial. In between, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, it really depends on what your future income uh, is going to be. Well, what your future income is going to be. Uh, so that's where a good conversation with a uh, financial planner will help you figure out which is the best tool for you. Um, so that's on the, 
uh, tools side of things, on the vehicle side of things, in terms of investment strategies, uh, the big thing that you're going to hear a lot about is this idea of diversification. Mm -hmm. So not putting all of your eggs into one basket. And that's where not only can you do it with vehicles, because you can do it with your RSP, your TFSA, but also real estate. Real estate is a huge opportunity for uh, your financial future. Uh, a lot of my clients have owned their home. Now, a lot of my clients that are nearing retirement, it was a lot easier for them to buy a home because they're looking at a home that they purchased 20, 30 years ago where uh, home prices were not nearly as high. Uh, interest rate actually were a little bit crazier back in the 80s. So we're glad that they've, uh, uh, they're doing a little bit of craziness right now, but not nearly as bad. Um, but using uh, real estate, especially with your uh, principal residence, your principal residence, any of the growth uh, that you see from that as it, uh, the value of it grows over time, you don't get taxed on any of it. So I, re I remember back to my grandparents. My grandparents bought their house uh, back in the 50s and it was $25,000 for them to buy a house. A uh, fully detached house over in Kitchener. Can't imagine the uh, price on it today. Um, but they held that house for just over 50 years. And when they sold it, they sold it for $400,000. Now, all of that growth, they got completely tax-free. So the government didn't come in and take any of it. And that turned out to be a huge portion of their retirement plan, was being able to take that money and get it invested. When they moved into a retirement home, that's what they used to fund their retirement home costs. So not just looking at investment tools, uh, sorry, not just looking at your TFSA, your RSP, but looking at alternative strategies as well. And that's where not only real estate can come into play, but also insurance. Um, there's some kind of insurance, uh, what we call renter's insurance. That's your term insurance. Uh, and that's really useful for protecting a mortgage, uh, making sure that if something happens, uh, your family is taken care of. But there's also wealth insurance that's out there that you're able to borrow against that policy. And so there's opportunities on that front as well to be able to protect your uh, future when the markets take a tumble, like we saw in 2008, in the beginning half of 2020, all throughout 2022. We want to make sure that you are diversified so that way, if stuff like that happens, it doesn't completely cripple your financial future, especially in retirement, when you're not looking at bringing a lot of new money into your plan. Okay. Can you explain a little bit more about the term insurance and the wealth insurance? Because uh, I myself would need a little bit more clarity because I'm obviously not an insurance expert, uh, but that's something that I'm always curious about. So if you can explain that a little bit more, that'd be great. Absolutely. Uh, easiest way that most people I've seen understand the two concepts is the difference between renting an apartment and owning a home. So renting an apartment is like term insurance. Uh, at the end of, let's say you live in a home for 10 years, um, renting there, you didn't build up your own equity in that house. You paid somebody to have access to that house. You had a roof over your head, which was great. You had peace of mind knowing that you were able to come home every night and have a house. But at the end of it, it didn't increase your net worth renting that apartment. And that's very same as your term insurance. Term insurance, you can get term 10, term 20. Uh, actually, RBC comes out with pretty much term one through 40, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't make a claim on that term insurance after the 10 years, you don't have any equity built up into it. There isn't any cash surrender value in it. 
you're able to cancel the policy any uh, time you want, um, but you don't have any monetary value to show for that kind of insurance. Um, that kind of insurance is also very cheap. Um, I've got a million dollars worth of uh, term insurance on my life, and it's costing me about $500 per year to be able to hold that. I'm able to hold that for 20 years. My premiums do not change. So I'm not putting a whole lot of money into that policy, but if I have to claim on it, the insurance company is going to have a hefty uh, check to pay that I haven't put nearly as much money into. Um, so that's where term insurance is there. And it's great for, uh, like I said, if you have a mortgage and you want to protect your family, you want to make sure that they don't have to make mortgage payments if you were to pass away. Um, if you have little kids in the house, you want to make sure that uh, you're uh, they are protected throughout uh, their time uh, there. So maybe you have enough coverage uh, for them to make it uh, through uh, first degree at university and you want to be able to leave something for them, whether it is going to university or helping them buy their first house. Uh, for business owners, I talk to them a lot about um, their buy-sell agreements. Let's say you've got three business owners working together. If one of them were to pass away, question I always ask, do you want their spouse coming in as a one-third partner in your corporation? Oftentimes the answer is no. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you can buy out that spouse so that way there is protection. So when you have a very certain time-defined need, term insurance is phenomenal for that. Mm -hmm. And now let's look at wealth insurance. Yeah. Wealth insurance is like owning a house. Yes, you're going to put right now $100,000, $200,000 into the house and the uh, bank is going to uh, help cover the other costs of it. That's the same thing as uh, your wealth insurance. I've got a $100,000 uh, term, no, sorry, $100,000 pay 20 policy on myself. So that means after 20 years, I own that policy. I don't have to put any new money into that policy. And that policy not only is paid up, but it's now continuing to grow. So it's a whole life policy where uh, Canada Life will pay dividends into that policy every single year. And they've done that in good years and in bad years. Um, and so the policy, if I hold that policy and I don't make a claim until I'm 90, that policy is actually going to be worth about $350,000. Mm -hmm. So it grows over time. And that's going to be a huge opportunity for my family in terms of any sort of taxation that is left after I pass away, taxes are able to be paid off. And this is going to be a great opportunity. Let's look at uh, people, some of your clients likely own not only their house, but own a cottage. Mm -hmm. Do they want that family cottage to be able to stay in uh, within the family? Well, if you've got two different uh, properties, one of them, you have to pay capital gains tax on it because of the growth in value. Last thing you want your kids to be thinking of is, does anybody have a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, money that we can pay to the government for the uh, 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 capital gains tax on this? Probably not. And that's where a wealth insurance policy that's going to grow with you over time, huge opportunity because I'm still only paying about twenty thousand dollars into that hundred thousand dollar policy, and it's going to grow to about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's a pretty decent return on investment for me knowing the fact that that's there and able to be used. Does that help understand yes. the difference term and permanent? Yeah, and I just wanted to, a, bit, a bit of clarification from that. So comparing the two, so for example, term insurance, you're paying $500, let's say, yep. for next, however long the term is for. It could be 10 years, could be 20 years, but that money is long, like you're paying 100% as an interest or the rent in your terms. Yep. Now comparing that to... 
the whole life insurance, the or the wealth insurance, how you call it, the idea, what's the price comparison? So you're paying 20,000, that's a one-time lump sum or it's number of years or there are different kinds of products that can help you uh, build a plan based on your requirements. So uh, just using myself as an example, uh, like I said, it's about uh, $500, $500 per year gets me $1 million worth of coverage. That's the term insurance. That's the term insurance. Yeah. Over here, it's... Uh, $2,400 uh, per month, per year. So almost five times as much and only $100,000 worth of coverage. Mm-hmm. One tenth of term. So the wealth insurance, far more costly, but that's also because of the fact that uh, on the term side, insurance companies are betting that uh, with enough it people coming into it, not everybody is going to pass away. Yeah. Uh, on the wealth side, they are gear as long as I pay my premiums, they are guaranteed to owe my estate that money or owe my beneficiaries that money. So there is a guaranteed payout on one side. On the other side, I'm gambling with them that I might need it in the next 20 years. They're gambling with me that they're not going to have to pay it out. And one of us is going to win. I really hope that they win. I'd rather still be alive in 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it is more peace of mind on one side where the other side is a portion of your uh, net worth that is growing. So would you recommend both insurances? Like you have, sounds like you have both the uh, insurances, right? So you would recommend that to anyone or is there a specific situation where this would apply to? In some cases, I don't recommend uh, insurance at all. Uh I've got a couple clients, uh, single female, single male. Nobody is dependent on their income in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we've talked about insurance, and uh, for them, insurance isn't uh, life insurance isn't a huge priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple other insurances that uh, I will talk to clients about: critical illness insurance or disability insurance, uh, which for them much more uh, imperative that they get. Um, now that I've uh, extended my family, now it's yes. Uh, term insurance is needed. I don't want my wife to have to pay for uh, a mortgage payment when I go. My income is helping supply the money for that mortgage payment. So I want to make sure that that is covered. So that's where term insurance is a necessity for me. Uh, wealth insurance, I know that only two things in life are guaranteed, uh, death and taxes. So I want to make sure that the taxes side of things are uh, just a little bit easier for my family. Um, are they both needed? Not always. It really is case by case. Uh, are they both recommended in certain circumstances? Absolutely. It definitely will help your family, uh, if you have the right protection in, uh, in your life. I know acquiring assets is one thing, but being able to maintain and making the most out of it is another piece of the puzzle. That's where experts like yourself come in, and that's why we need the right guidance so people like us and uh, all of our listeners can make the right decisions for themselves and protecting their assets for their families if they're gone and when they're gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to thank you for your time, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people have more questions, and like you said, everybody's situation is different depending upon where they are in life and where they want to go eventually, your advice will be dependent all on that. So there's no cookie cutter uh, answer here. How can people reach out to you if they have more questions and they want to maybe strategize more about their retirement planning, estate planning, or 
talk about different insurance products? Uh, the best way to start that conversation with me is through email. Uh, I make it as easy as I can for uh, people looking to get in touch with me. It's my first name, K-E-V-I-N, Kevin, at Bold Barrel, B-O-L-D-B-A-R-R-E-L.ca. I'm based out of Burlington area, but more than happy to help out anyone across uh, the province of Ontario. That's where my license is. If you're outside of that, feel free to get in touch, but I will likely have to uh, get you connected with somebody in your local area. And that's just a regulatory thing. I'm not able to cross borders that well, that way. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Kevin. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you.